We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRA. DIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, for the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. I am Eric Balkman, reminding you from the FFPC, reminding you to play the FFPC Weekly Challenge. If you are looking for weekly action in the FFPC, it has arrived in 2022. You can formulate your own 10-player lineup or 12-player lineup. 10 players if you want to do it without kickers and defenses, 12 players if you want to do it with kickers and defenses. You can only pick one player per team. You can join a 30-team format, a 100-team format for either $35 or $200, or you could join the 10-team format, which is only $200 to play. But if you beat the other nine teams, your winnings are a 2023 free FFPC main event entry that's valued at about $2,000. So you can enter the main event for free, play for a million bucks uh, next year for free, as long as you beat out the other nine people uh, that you're going against this week. That's all available at myffpc.com. Let's uh, bring in our guest tonight. Give a warm welcome to the 11th place team manager in the 2022 FFPC main event, a contest paying out $1 million for first place. Welcome in, Mr. Rob Abbott. Rob, welcome in. Thanks. For hey, how's it going? Me. Thanks for having doing, me. Doing doing great. Very excited. We were talking before we went on the air. I'm a Packers fan. What's your team uh, of choice in the NFL that you cheer for? I, I live in Houston, so uh, the okay. Texans, it's sad times here for the Texans. Uh, well, you know. Okay, so let's – okay, as long as we're doing that, um, I don't I don't think we are talking about – we're talking about the Cardinals aspect of Keontae Ingram. Before we get to that, 
What about Eno Benjamin joining your Texans? Are, are you very excited? about? I mean, is this the Damian Pierce handcuff now? Is that how you're looking at this? I mean, who knows? I, I have no idea. They, they, they love Rex Burkhead here for some reason. So uh, <laughs> hopefully Damian Pierce continues to be the guy. I, I would love for Pierce to be a three down back. I, I really don't hope Eno has no role here, to be honest well, with you. Well, okay, let's let's frame the question like this. I think you're right, number one. I think Pierce is is still going to be the guy. I don't think this affects him. But for anybody looking for that one injury away type guy, um, you already said Houston loves Burkhead. Is Benjamin a guy that you're not really concerning yourself with because Houston may you know still want to incorporate Burkhead in, and then neither one of these guys have value if if uh, Pierce were to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I have no idea uh, whether or not you know they view Eno as a three down back if Pierce were to go down or not. I mean, they they have Eno, they have Burkhead, and they have Dare Ugambawale from Wisconsin. They've got all these third down backs if Pierce goes down. Who knows what they would do, to be honest with you. Um, I I think that one of the things I've learned over the years is never knowing what Kyle Shanahan's capable of. And and that was proven to be the case again uh, today or yesterday. I can't remember which day the report it came out. But, you know, the Niners give up this draft capital to acquire Christian McCaffrey. And now smartly or unintelligently, depending upon your view on this, um, Kyle Hanna, Shanahan says he wants to split the carries and the touches evenly uh, between Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. How much stock do you put into that statement from Shanahan? And I guess, you know, based on how you answer that question, how are you handling Elijah Mitchell in starting lineups knowing that he could be getting half the touches in that Niners backfield? I mean, I thought he looked great last night. I mean, he, he looked explosive, made big plays. I mean, uh, I don't think you can start him yet just because – like you said, starting the question, who knows with Shanahan? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it, it certainly looks as if he's going to have a role. And if you're in a tight spot with buys or injuries, there are worse guys you could be starting than Elijah Mitchell just because you know it's a good offense. Uh, you, he looks really good. And if if they're talking 50-50 or hot hand approach, then, you know. I, like I said, I'm not starting him on any of my teams right now. Uh He's more of a, you know, a handcuff for McCaffrey at this point. I mean, he really kind of hurts McCaffrey more than he's a startable player himself at this point. And and I'm I've been, you know, listen, I'm I'm a recovering Christian McCaffrey drafter out there. Like I've been burned by him because of his injuries or whatever. But I sometimes I feel like, you know, now that he has a situation in San Francisco where they can put out Mitchell to take some of these carries away, I feel like 80% or 85% of McCaffrey every week. Um, might even be better than 100% of McCaffrey because 100% of McCaffrey the last few years, uh, he breaks down and he gets hurt. And maybe that won't be the case with Mitchell. So if he does take away performance from McCaffrey, maybe he keeps him healthy throughout the season. The real question, I mean, we're starting McCaffrey no matter what. The real question here is, what are we doing with Mitchell? And for you, as it stands right now, even with if this report is true, you're not deploying Mitchell out there. as a Well, I mean, we have, we have, we have one game of, to right. go off at this point. I mean, I, I'm saying for week 11, I'm not starting Elijah Mitchell on any teams, but, you know, we can reassess after each week. And if, if the issue really is McCaffrey kept the third down work, he's going to be the two minute back. He dominated the goal line carries. I mean, if, if, if Mitchell is just getting half of first and second down work, 
you know, like his ceiling is just capped. I mean, what, what, what does he really have there? So, um, but I mean, like I said, it's a week to week situation. So we'll reassess after we see what they do next game. The smart players always do. It's a weekly game with the FFPC and fantasy football in general. And the more you, um, you know, reevaluate everything after every week, I think the better your lineup turns out to be the following week. Now, they're looking for better things in Los Angeles with the defending Super Bowl champs right now, and they're not seeing it. Now, the Cooper Cup thing is obviously a mess, but I want to talk about the backfield with you. Kyron Williams, is he going to be the, the guy that is going to take control of this backfield for the second half of the season? Or do you view this as more of a quagmire where they're going to want to work in Akers, they're going to want to work in Henderson, and, and you're looking at Kyron Williams just being maybe the better part of a committee, but never developing into being a three down back. How do you see this backfield as it stands right now? And then going forward? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been stashing Kyron on a lot of teams and, you know, each week for the last, I feel like three or four weeks, you know, when you're doing waivers on Wednesday, you have, you know, Kyron just staring at you as an easy, you know, do I want to keep him another week just to see what happens? And unfortunately, like, the situation, his situation has, has just gotten worse. Cam Akers came back. Um, the offense hasn't been good in general all season, and now Cooper Cup's injured. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if he is given the job over Henderson and Cam, I mean, how good of a how, how good of a role, how good of an offense is it really going to be? So, I'm not optimistic about him. As you know, I felt better about him a couple weeks ago, to be honest with you. Um, but I mean, he's certainly a hold. You know, see see what you got. See, you know, what the situation looks like a couple of weeks from now. Does the offense get any better? Does he take over the job? And, you know, like nobody was excited about Donta Foreman when uh, McCaffrey got traded. You know, everybody said, oh, it's a bad offense. Um, you know, what does this role really mean? And, I mean, he's, he's been a really good fantasy player. So maybe Kyron can turn into, you know, do something like that. But Right now, it's hard to feel good about a situation. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a dart throw, but it's a calculated dart throw, right? And I, I think that's what people are going to be treating um, Keontae Ingram on the waiver wire this week, knowing that Eno Benjamin is, is with the Texans. And now uh, Keontae Ingram looks to be the next guy up behind James Conner. And that's a high-value backup position because James Conner, for whatever, you know, I know he's battled cancer and everything, and he's a great story, but the dude gets hurt a lot and he misses a significant amount of time, plays a brutal position. Keontae Ingram was a guy that the Cardinals drafted. Are you looking to acquire him, again, as a, one of those one-injury-away type running backs, are you looking to acquire him in a bunch of leagues in the FFPC this week? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think he's a great ad. Uh, I mean, we saw, you know, I don't know, 18, 19 points uh, when he filled in for Connor earlier this season. Uh, Daryl Williams is on the IR. Eno's gone, so um, – yeah, Connor, Connor goes down, and uh, Keontae's got the whole backfield. So I, I think he's a, a great ad anywhere you can get him. Now, do you think you're going to have to overpay to get him? Because I think a lot of people have that opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean absolutely. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, that, that's a uh, game of strategy with the waiver wire of, of, of how much, you know, like you're assessing your roster, you know, how desperate are you for a running back? What, mm-hmm. what you know, where are you, what – what kind of depth do you have on your bench? Um, yeah, so there'll certainly be some some teams I'm aggressive bidding on him, and there'll be some other teams when I'm just throwing a low bid to see what happens. Um, but every, every owner's got to kind of assess their own situation there. But 
I'm I'm expecting the the bids on him to be pretty competitive. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and it's one of those. And I don't know if you if you've um, felt this way, but a lot of the guests that we've had on the shows this year have said, you know, that the waiver wire this year feels a little bit different. It, it doesn't feel like there there have been as many aggressive bids because maybe there haven't been that many dominant players out there that you can acquire. Has that been your experience as well? Oh, 100. percent I mean, okay. it, 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 very few guys that uh, have have been. Uh, you know, go, go after kind of guys that you feel could could uh, be difference makers on your team. So it, it it certainly has been a weird year on the waiver wire, no doubt. I I looked at your team, your 11th place main event team, and I think I have this right, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think you drafted Chris Olave and George Pickens, and then you picked up Alec Pierce off the waiver wire, right? Is that accurate? I believe so, yes. Okay, right. So now you're looking at, um, you know, 15% of your team, is um is is rookie wide receivers i i want to know if this is an outlier type approach for you um you know getting these acquiring these rookie receivers and in the past when you have had them on your team what's been your experience because i don't i I feel like we don't really as high stakes players go hardcore after rookie receivers early in drafts kind of like the mid rounds maybe the late early rounds are you're you're starting to pick up the the Burks, the Olaves, um, you know, the, those types of players th- this year. What's been your experience with rookie receivers in the past and then your approach this year to rookie receivers on this team? It's obviously paid off. Is this something you normally do? I mean, it's not a, it's not something I go into a draft saying I want to target rookie receivers. I mean, we've seen the last couple of years that rookie receivers have, have been league winners and difference makers with Jefferson and Chase and Waddle. I mean, uh, it, the last few years, rookie receivers have been better than they've ever been. Um, but with this 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 team, um, it was a unique team. I, I we, we had the first pick overall. I, I drafted this one with a good friend of mine, Mark, who's another high stakes guy. And we had, we we took McCaffrey first. And our plan was to take A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. We wanted A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill coming back at the two three turn. Well, this was a draft with the ship chasing guys, Dave Hubbard, Chad, one of the dudes from Draft Sharks. I mean, it was a loaded room, and all of those receivers went in the second round before mm. it got back to us. And so with all those receivers going, it kind of pushed a, a few of the running backs back. And so we pivoted and went with Aaron Jones and Kamara at the 2-3 mm-hmm. turn. And that's probably the out of all the drafts that we did, probably the only three running back start we had. But because we started three running backs um, in those middle rounds – we were more willing to to chase upside with some of these rookie receivers. Uh, you know, we took I think DeAndre Hopkins at uh, the six seven turn, and then Alave and Pickens. And so, uh, because we had started so running back heavy, we were we were more willing to take chances going after the the, the high upside rookies. So I'm just looking at this right now because you brought you you name dropped those guys, and I'm like, God, this sounds like a loaded league. It's even more loaded than I thought. So I'm 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 bringing it up right now with um, all the different uh, studs that you had in this league, all the different guys that have um, had a lot of success uh, in in the FFPC over the years. Obviously yourself, but I'm looking at this now. You also brought up David Hubbard, who was in this league. You're looking at uh, Chad Schroeder. Obviously, you mentioned him. Um, but Biplab Mandel, a guy who's who's been awesome right. in pretty much every format. Chris Hammond who has had a guy I've been trying to get on shows for years. He always turns me down, but he's had a lot of success. Matt Schaub from Draft Sharks, who you brought up. 
he was in this league as well. And then Peter Overzet, the, the yep. station crew. And by the way, former guest of the show just made his his debut on on the uh, high stakes fantasy football over this summer. Uh, Rashad Cobb, who has won a ton of FFPC. Yeah, recognized I mean, his name as well. Like over half the league here. And oh, it was which is, it was loaded for sure. Now, so this brings up another question: When you know you're drafting against these guys, and you know you're in a loaded league. How much do you modify your strategy when you're drafting? No, nah, I mean, look, you I mean, you know, we we had the first pick, so we're at the turn. It's not like we were in the middle of the draft. I mean, when you're at the turn, either end of the draft, I mean, you kind of taking what falls to you. And like I said, I mean, we came in with one strategy. If we wanted, we, we were planning on doing McCaffrey and then four straight receivers, you know, something like that. But all those receivers win, and so we pivoted and took uh, Kamara and uh, Aaron Jones at two three. And it was a very unique draft for us. We, we have, we, I don't, like I said, it's the only uh, three running back start we had. Uh, and then so from there, we just kind of, uh, you know, adjusted with what was falling to us. And, and, and that league too, if I remember this correctly, or the, the team that we're talking about in the 11th place, excuse me, the 11th place um, overall team, this league you had, so obviously that three running back start has set you up for some pretty good things, but you also have on this squad, so McCaffrey, Kamara Jones, Kenneth Walker, too. Yeah, yeah uh, he mean, fell so, late. <laughs> it, it, it just, I mean, you went, now he's on by this week. But, I mean, when these, when you're at the peak of your powers, you're starting all four of these running backs. Oh, yeah, we've, we've started four running backs for the last four or five weeks. Um, last thing I want to bring up here. Well, not last thing. Next thing I want to bring up on this draft. Yeah, the 101. Jonathan Taylor went most uh, in, in the number one overall pick in a lot of main event football guys drafts. Christian McCaffrey did go one um, overall in several of them as well. Numerous of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to get your thought process on why you wanted McCaffrey over Taylor. Cause Taylor looks like one of the biggest boss in recent high stakes memory. Yeah. I mean, it was more just ceiling. I mean, like McCaffrey in his prime was a 28, 30 point guy. Jonathan Taylor was the RB one last year and what 24 points, you know, and, all the talk with Hines, you know, like uh, they were really hyping up Hines and his usage and just, just uh, felt like McCaffrey had a higher ceiling and, and more of a league winning type guy. Um, nothing really against Taylor. I mean, it was, I mean, like you're, you're nitpicking, you're, you know, you're really splitting hairs there between those two guys. Uh, but we, McCaffrey was just the, the guy that we both wanted to take there. Um, let's talk about um, uh, the, um, um, situation that's going on with Traylon Burks right now. I know when he got placed on IR, um, a lot of the Traylon Burks truthers kind of like non-existent, right? But now I've seen people who weren't necessarily high on Burks at the start of the season talking about, you know, he is following a pattern of this, of, of a rookie receiver who starts off real slow and then mid-season picks it up and is just crushing it down the stretch. I, I, I hesitate to say league winner with Burks, but it's certainly – a non-zero chance of that happening. How do you fall in on this conversation, knowing that Burks came back this past week and he gets to face the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the exact kind of guy that you want to have on your bench uh, because of that that upside, that ceiling that you're talking about. I mean, who knows with this offense if if he's going to have that? You know, league winning is is probably a stretch for him, mm -hmm. uh, but certainly you know, a starting um, caliber player that, that you want to have. And, and I mean, he was a free agent in, in a lot of leagues of, over the last couple of weeks. He was dropped in several places. And in this league, 
right here. He was a free agent last week, and I believe we bid 200 uh, on him, and Overzet uh, won him for like $400. Uh, so he uh, loves him some receivers. That's absolutely, and yeah. and he, like I said, I mean Burks. It's the, that's the exact kind of guy you want on your bench. You want guys that have that ceiling. Uh, you know, you don't want you know guys that are 10, 10, 12 point guys on your bench. I mean, what, what, what does that do for you? So uh, no, I, I have no idea what Burks is going to become uh, if, if he's going to mean anything this year. Uh, but certainly a guy that I would want on as many teams as I can get right now. Um, Darren Waller. My God, it would be horrible to be a Raiders fan uh, this past um, week. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro go on IR within hours of each other. They're already two and seven, and yet Mark Davis says Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. <laughs> wow, a lot of stuff going on in right. Las Vegas as normal. But Darren Waller goes on IR. Foster Moreau, your opinion on him is knowing that you play in a tight end premium format like the FFPC main event football guys players championship. Is Foster Moreau a guy that you'd be looking to flex out now, knowing that Waller's going to be out the next four weeks? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about flex. I mean, I mean, with the mess that the tight end position is, I mean, uh, it was already a, just a crazy season at tight end if you didn't have Kelsey or Andrews. And now you got Gerald Everett going down, Zach Ertz going down. Um, if He's certainly a guy I would want to be playing at tight end if I didn't have an elite tight end. Mm. Um, flex, and like uh, Moreau kind of, to me, has a ceiling of I mean, what, what, what is he really going to do? 15, 16 points. I mean, he, I'd, I'd much rather be, you know, having guys like Devonta Smith or Alave or um, higher ceiling guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, even a running back like Jeff Wilson, I mean, those, those are I mean, guys that have 25, 30, you know, Tyler Boyd, even, I mean, he's born Tyler Boyd's a boring guy, but he, I mean, he's got 25, 30 point ceiling in him. I just don't think Moreau has that. So Moreau is a guy that I, I mean, there's so many teams where a tight end is a mess, right? So Moreau to me is a great, uh, tight end to have if uh, if if your original tight end plan has not worked out, um, he's not really a guy I'm probably trying to start in a flex spot, but uh, he's certainly a viable starter at tight end to me. And it's and it's weird too because I think a lot of people are are under the opinion like oh FFPC I could start three tight ends if I if I want because of the tight right. end premium scoring, but because and not just this year, um, but I think the last the last couple of years, Rob tight end has been really bad and and while it's tempting to play these you know quote-unquote upside tight ends there you might be better off just not doing that and loading up running backs and receivers there instead yeah absolutely i mean I, there are very few teams where i'm starting multiple tight ends this year i mean it's just and just have there's just so few of them that are startable did the, is that sort of how your draft strategy went to where you want to try to get an elite tight end but then after that you're kind of like uh, there's better options for my to build my team up into a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there weren't many mid round tight end guys. I mean, uh, Ertz was not a guy, you know, like uh, uh, that I was ever really targeting. I don't know, can't remember off the, I mean, who the other middle round guys, but yeah, I mean, uh, if it wasn't Kelsey, I mean, unfortunately, I have too much Kyle Pitts, um, mm -hmm. but Kelsey or Pitts, and I, I was certainly fine with waiting and getting a guy like Njoku or Komet much later in the draft, um, just because it's such a crapshoot, no matter if you're taking a tight end in the seventh round or the 11th round i mean who knows i'm looking at it right now this is this is how the main event the the tight ends went in the main event the last two days of drafting season which would have been the saturday and then the sunday of of, of game day essentially right you're looking at eight tight ends went in the top five rounds kelsey pitts andrews waller schultz kittle goddard hawkinson 
But then you're looking at essentially more than two rounds later before that number nine tight end went off the board. And now you're talking about these mid-round guys, the Irks, uh, the, the Komets of the world. Komet has really been coming on this year. Right, yeah. Um, Fryermuth, Dawson Knox, Albert Okaweppenau. Oh, what a train wreck that's been. Irv Smith, who obviously was looking good, he goes down. David Njoku was looking awesome. He gets hurt. Tyler Higby was setting the world on fire too. So there's been, you know, there's been a lot of misses there. And, it, and it's tough to get production. Um, and I feel like this is one of those things where we're always going to be talking about tight ends in this format going forward. But certainly you were of the opinion this year, getting the elite guy and, and, and in the mid rounds, there's, there's bigger holes to be plugging than backup tight end or even your third tight end. Yeah, that's how I approach most of my drafts. Um, speaking of tight ends, TJ Hawkinson goes to Minnesota and one game's worth of a sample size is what we have in Detroit. And I know that's not a lot, but we always ask unfair questions to our guests on this show. It's probably why we never get repeat guests. James Mitchell and Brock Wright are now in Detroit. Are are you done with either of these guys being rosterable even yeah. in a tight end premium format? Yeah, I don't I don't don't see a point not in having either guy on your uh, roster. Uh drop them. If if you have them, drop them. I don't I don't no point in having them to me. Um, what about, um, and, and I don't have this on the list, but I should ask you anyway. So Zach Ertz, we know is done for the season in Arizona. Trey McBride was the first rookie tight end chosen in the draft this year. Any love for Trey McBride this week? Are you looking at him as, as you know, a guy that you can roster and maybe plug in at tight end? Yeah. I mean, certainly, I mean, he's another guy like Keontae Ingram we talked about earlier that I think that bids are going to probably be pretty people are going to be pretty aggressive on bidding for him especially not just the Ertz guy but you know with uh Goddard going down um you know the, just the mess the tight end is that I I think McBride is going to be a popular guy to bid on this week and I, I think he's a good he's he's worth adding um mm -hmm. we know he's a a good receiving tight end and um Ertz has had value in that offense so I not saying I would necessarily start him this week. I mean, probably would want to add him and kind of see what this offense looks like. Um, but I, I, he, to me, he's definitely worth adding. Um, you you mentioned Philadelphia. We should. I, I just talked with Jason Kahn on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour earlier tonight about this uh, as well. Jack Stoll, Tyree Jackson, Grant Calcaterra. Those are the other Eagles tight ends. If you do have Dallas Goddard, are you better off trying to fill – that hole on your roster with a team other than the Eagles, or is there any value in going a couple of bucks on any three of those guys? Yeah, I, I don't, I've not done all my waivers yet, but I, so far I've not put any bids in on any, Eagle, any of the Eagles tight ends to me. It's no, I, I don't see myself bidding on any of those guys. So we talk about, we always talk about, um, we talk with players on this show that are doing very well in the season. You are doing very well this season, 11th place in the main event. Patrick Mahomes, obviously a huge part of that. However, you have Justin Fields on this team as well. Uh, and Justin Fields, in case you're not familiar, Rob, he's the starting running back for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> not a lot of people know that. Right. But um, you have him on your team. Has it been tempting the last couple of weeks? Is it tempting this week to bench Mahomes in favor of a dude who is chewing up rushing yardage for a quarterback that we haven't seen in several years? I mean, it has not been tempting yet. I mean, it's this would be the first week it's been tempting just because it's back-to-back 40-point -back games. I mean, it's hard to ignore that. Um, I, Mahomes offers a floor that that it's I – mean, I, I can't imagine we're not going to be starting Mahomes. The I guess to me, when we get into the tournament at the end of the season, um, you know, if we get into that final week or two, 
and you start kind of playing the game theory of looking at ownership and seeing that, oh, man, a lot of Mahomes teams are in the top 25, 50, whatever, and we're competing, you know, like, do we pivot to fields to try to get a difference maker there that can put us over the top? To me, that's, you know, like, strategy-wise for our team, that's probably what we'll be thinking about. Uh, but, I mean, it's hard not to rank fields as a top five quarterback right now. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's very there's very few quarterbacks that I would be starting over fields, and Mahomes just happens to be one of them. You know, it's weird because I, I, I keep looking at his production, and obviously it's been facilitated by a lot of big plays, but which I think are are fluky. But when the big plays keep coming, how fluky is that going forward? You know, it's just I, I, I was telling this story. I can't remember which show I was on. But I was telling this story that um, uh, not this past week, but in week uh, nine, um, I, I had a bye week issue or an injury issue, and I picked up fields uh, in, and started him. And I was telling my buddy, oh, this is great. I, I know I got fields going in at least one league. This is fantastic. And then I checked all my teams after the week was over. I didn't have fields anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just the most depressing thing because I, I kept scrolling through all my teams. Where's the fields team? Where's the field? Right. I didn't have it. It was, it was so <laughs> annoying. But it is one of those things. And I think the other thing, too, is like for you, Mahomes versus fields, yeah, Mahomes is probably your guy. But for some of these other teams, I mean, if you don't have Lamar Jackson – if you don't have Josh Allen, even Josh Allen this week, what happens if you have Josh Allen and Justin Fields? Allen, who's dealing with that elbow, and oh, by the way, two feet of snow expected to land in Buffalo this week when they take on Cleveland. I think that's an interesting conversation to have. And I think, like, basically anybody with Jackson and Mahomes this week, you got to have a serious thought process of who you're starting at quarterback, Fields versus the other guy. Yeah, I mean, he's playing in the Dome at Atlanta. I mean, it's fast term. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine now that Fields has I mean they, that they've changed their offense to feature him and with all these run design play play calls. I mean, why would they go back to not doing these things? Right. I mean, th this seems very sustainable, and that he can continue. I mean, forty point games. I mean, that's I mean, like <laughs> who that's much. But I mean, if he turns into a 25, 30 point consistent scorer, I mean, that's that's huge. So it is ma uh, it's massive. It yeah. is it's massive. Um, we're talking a lot of quarterbacks, and, and and the guy who's who has been carrying a lot of teams, like your team, and not this this specific team, but a lot of your other teams. Um, your most owned quarterback in the FFPC this year is Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's an MVP MVP candidate. Obviously, uh, the Eagles ended up losing to the Commanders last night, but this is a guy who's been crushing it for teams this year. Why were you able to get him in so many drafts? I'm not sure. You know, I know I know you're you got a lot of best ball tournament drafts as well. But why were you able to acquire Jalen Hurts when seemingly everybody should have been in on this? Why were why were you in on this more than other teams to get Hurts on so many squads? I mean, he was just I – mean, there, there was a lot to like about him. I mean, we, he, we already saw what he could do with uh, – with that he had a rushing floor that was elite. And then they added A.J. Brown. They already – they drafted Devonta Smith in the first round last year. Goddard was a lead tight end. So there was just a lot to like about him. You know, uh, the approach that I took at quarterback with most drafts was I wanted to come away with one of three guys, Mahomes, um, Jalen Hurts, or Trey Lance. Now, mm. two of the three worked out really well. Lance obviously did not work out well. Uh, but typically that was the – the strategy, I mean, obviously I don't have those three guys in every single draft, but, you know, that was my pretty much general, pro, you know, like Mahomes, 
Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance. I, I was hoping to get one of those three guys in most drafts. All right, so so let me ask you this. Um, Jalen Hurts uses his legs a lot. Um, uh, Trey Lance, we were expecting him to use his legs a lot. Patrick Mahomes does not use his legs a ton, at least for rushing yardage. He extends plays with them, doesn't necessarily get a ton of rushing yardage. Why was Mahomes in that category in a year where uh, he was not going to have Tyreek Hill at his disposal? Yeah, I mean, it was more just the discount that you were getting on Mahomes this year. I mean, he was go, I mean, going in the sixth round. I mean, we, this team that you're that we've been talking about that's 11th, I mean, we got him at the sixth, seven turn, you know, like, I mean, he, he was a second, third, I mean, second round guy three years ago, third, I mean, third round guy last year. I mean, he, he's, he's been a elite quarterback. And, you know, even with, I mean, obviously you can't replace Tyreek Hill. But I mean, they added Juju. They uh, brought in. They drafted Sky Moore. Um, Mecole was there. I mean, they they had weapons, and it just it felt as if they had a chip on. I, I, and this is kind of a gut feeling thing that who knows if you put any weight on it. But just the way they lost uh, last year, and everybody talking about how their offense isn't going to be as good with Tyreek Hill um, leaving. Just kind of felt like Andy Reid and Mahomes were were kind of kind of want to really stick it and, and and show that they're still elite. Uh, and they also had a great schedule. I mean, they I mean the, the AFC West and playing all the NFC. I mean, so it it felt like they were going to be in a lot of high scoring games. And so um, you know, getting Mahomes at a three round discount compared to where he was last year just felt like a, a guy that I wanted to have a lot of. Um, I and I understand why you like Lance. I mean, obviously this is a guy that that was had top five upside and he was going as the ninth quarterback off the board, essentially in the ninth or 10th round. And even earlier in draft season, later than that um, hurts. Uh, I beg your pardon. Mahomes finished at, with an ADP of five eleven. Uh, Jalen hurts six Oh eight, but right at that same spot at six Oh eight in drafts, as far as quarterbacks go in the FFPC was Lamar Jackson. Why was Lamar Jackson? Why did he not make your top three? Um, I guess because I felt like the the Ravens wanted to – they were not going to play as many shootout games as the Chiefs. I, I thought wow. that Kansas City was more likely to play in shootout games. Baltimore, I felt like, wanted to reestablish the run. You know, we saw last year their defense was just decimated with injuries, mm -hmm. and they had to play these shootout-type games that is not John Harbaugh. You know, it's not Baltimore Raven football. And – um, you know, just really thought that, you know, you know, losing Hollywood Brown, how is that going to impact the offense? And I don't know, just hey, look, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, Lamar's great. <laughs> you know, like Lamar's still a top five quarterback. I, I own some, I, I, it's not like I didn't draft Lamar Jackson at all. You know, like I, he, but, you know, I just happened to prioritize Mahomes a little bit more than him and, and Jalen Hurts a little bit more than him. That's, that's all, you know, it, it was more, more of a pro Mahomes, pro Jalen Hurts take than an anti Lamar Jackson take. Rob Abbott, not anti Lamar Jackson. Let's, yeah, very let's get that on the record. That's absolutely on the record tonight. <laughs> um, last question here for you. Um, I know it's early. It's Tuesday. Waivers haven't been processed. We're still basking in the glow of week 10. We haven't fully flipped the, the page to week 11 yet, but I'm going to force you to do it tonight. Have you looked at your lineups? Is there a sleeper player as you look at the matchups for week 11 that, that you're excited about getting in your lineups this week? And conversely, is there a, a guy that you think a lot of people will probably start, but they probably should think twice before they do it because this guy could bust out in week 11? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I mean, so, so the second part of that question, I was kind of going through some of my lineups and, and a guy that I drafted a lot of uh, that I was that I benched in a few spots where I had a good depth at receiver was DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker Mayfield is starting this week. We saw that, you know, DJ did not have much success with, with Baker earlier in the season. Uh, Mayfield just sucks. And yeah. they're, they're playing on the road at Baltimore. Um, just doesn't feel like a good matchup for DJ Moore. So I, I was benching him in a few spots. As far as sleeper, I mean, you can never go against uh, in the Houston. I mean, like, I, like I told you before, I live in Houston. The Texans run defense is just god awful. Uh, so Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, um, you know, those those two guys would be certainly guys that I would be very confident starting. I think both of them will put up starting type numbers uh, this week because the, the Texans can't stop anybody on the ground. All right. So let me I know I said last question. I lied. I'm going to I'm going to throw this at you because it's a Texans question and it affects a lot of my rosters here. So you look at um, the, the receiver position for for the Texans. We know what was going on with Brandon Cooks. He didn't want to be in Houston. Right. He wanted to be elsewhere. He didn't get his wish. He he is no longer a captain on the team. Um, played last week, but it, he didn't really crush it at all. Nico Collins, though, 10 targets. Now he only caught five of them, but 10 targets. He gets in the end zone, 49 yards. What are your thoughts on Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins going forward? Is Brandon Cooks a guy that you can afford to bench in certain leagues where you have some good receivers? And is Nico Collins a guy that should be sneaking in as a potential flex for, for some teams going forward? And you probably know this better than me. I'll bring it up right now. But the, the Houston Texans hosting the Commanders on a short week this week. Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I don't – I have very little Brandon Cooks. I mean – So, okay, so, let me stop you there. Why is that? He, he – I mean, the Texans – I mean, Davis Mills – I mean, the Davis Mills was not going to support I, – I didn't, I didn't feel Davis Mills was going to support – a um, elite producer at, at, at receiver okay. and cook. There's just other guys in that range where cooks was going that I liked more. Um, and so I just got very little uh, Brandon cooks. And I mean, 
now we see Phoenix unhappy, clearly doesn't want to be here. Nico Collins, I mean, he has, I, I, he's, I don't think he's ever going to be a league difference maker, league winning type guy. Um, he's certainly startable in, in tight spots whenever, I mean, if, you know, like he buys injuries, you know, you need somebody to start. I mean, like you said, 10 targets. I mean, anybody that gets 10 targets is worthy of a flex starting type guy. Um, so, you know, I, I would be fine in, in spots where, you know, you, know, you, 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 you needed a starting receiver. I think Nico is certainly startable. I mean, he's never somebody you're going to feel great about, you know, just more because of the Texans offense than anything else. You know, they want to hand, they want to give Damian Pierce 25 carries and, you know, they're, they're not going to, yeah. I mean, they're not going to, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, the, the, the Texans passing game is not where you, you want to go to for fantasy production really. Well, listen, excellent work avoiding Brandon Cooks this year. Yeah. <laughs> excellent work not taking Jonathan Taylor with that 101 pick this year. And, and certainly it's it's looking like a genius move when you consider um, you guys are sitting in 11th place, you and Mark are, by going with McCaffrey. Your lineup is loaded. I already closed out the 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 lineup decision or your, your team. The lineup decisions you guys have to make when everybody's healthy and yeah. not on a bye week. I. I want to be you, but I don't want to be you. You know what I it's mean? It's a good problem to have. It's, it's a, good a good problem, problem. <laughs> to have. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for doing the show this week. Good luck, not only in, in week 11, but good luck the rest of the way. Uh, you're a highly accomplished player. I'm, I'm certainly thankful that I got to pick your brain tonight. And uh, let, hopefully you guys pull home the million. We'll see what happens. That would be wonderful. And rest assured, uh, one of the um, requirements, if you do win that million, will have to be coming on, back on this show and talking about how you did it. For sure. That's a deal. But I, I hope I hope to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, we. I hope you are too, for sure. Uh, be good uh, in Houston, and we will uh, talk again soon. Thank you so much, Rob. Awesome. Had a good time. You too. Rob Abbott, ladies and gentlemen, the 11th place team owner in the FFPC main event uh, as, as we head in to week 11 here. Uh, and it, we're coming up on league playoff time, people. We're, and before you know it, we'll be in the – in the championship round sprint, and somebody is going to become the first ever FFPC millionaire this year. Will it be Rob? Possible. You never know what, what could happen here uh, going forward. So we're looking forward to uh, to crowning an, a millionaire coming up at the uh, at the early part of January. Uh, that will complete tonight's road of his high stakes lowdown. want to thank Rob Abbott for popping aboard. Um, in case you missed it, we did um, – uh, I'm doing special bonus episodes this week because – I will not have a strong enough video connection via internet next week. Thanks to my lovely wife who booked the vacation. Um, God love her, but probably not the week to do it. But so I'm doing bonus episodes this week. We had Eric Sisson, the 40th place uh, team overall in the football guys players championship on the road of his high stakes slowdown last night. You can go back and watch that on the FFPC YouTube channel or rotoviz.com slash podcast. And then we just recorded myself and KFFSC commissioner Farrell Elliott recorded a high stakes fantasy football uh, hour bonus episode right before this tonight with the KFFSC main event leader, Jason Kahn, of course, former WCOF $300,000 champion, Jason Kahn on that episode as well. Check that out on the FFPC YouTube channel. It'll be on your, uh, anywhere you get podcasts, probably within the next 12 hours when that podcast drops, the, when the audio is edited and, and dropped on that. So thank you so much uh, to Rob Abbott. Thank you so much uh, to everybody watching out there, the FFPC uh, and everybody who makes this podcast possible. Don't forget uh, the Rotoviz, uh, beg your pardon, the Better Sports Network's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show goes live tomorrow from 10 p.m. until midnight Eastern time. That's myself and uh, attorney to the stars for footballguys.com. Drew Davenport will be co-hosting with me. 
We'll get you set for week 11. We'll go through uh, my weekly challenge lineup that I can't submit. If I could, I would, but I can't. Uh, and Drew will pick that clean. We'll also have a big Thursday night preview of the Packers and Titans and much more going through that as well. Uh, check out the FFPC weekly challenge, myffpc.com, uh, where you can play for $35, uh, $200 for entry fees uh, in a 30-team format or a 100-team format, or you can play uh, against nine other teams with a $200 entry fee, and the winner will get to play for a million dollars in the 2023 FFPC main event for free. Yeah, that's right. You can get a free 2023 FFPC main event entry. All you have to do is beat nine other people. You can't beat that with a stick. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, and share, uh, and get notified of when we have more videos on this channel. Um, we will be back on this channel Friday night at 10, 9 central with Rob Sussman, who actually has a team. I forget what uh, spot he is in. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, 17th place in the Football Guys Players Championship. He will be our guest on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this Friday night with Farrell Elliott. Join us on the BSN app tomorrow, uh, which is free in the App Store and Google Play or Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. We're broadcasting the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show with myself and Drew Davenport then. Uh, enjoy your Tuesday night. Enjoy your Wednesday, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.